Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Today is our special Mother's Day episode where we spoke both with my mom and with Eden's mom. Um, my mom Sarah and Eden's mom Susan. If we are to main maintain peace of mind, empathy, compassion, and boundaries, we must believe that everyone is doing the best they can. This week, Eden and, I, Eden and I recorded two episodes, one with my mom, one with Eden's mom. Both women are strong, kind, hopeful, intelligent, and value connection with family. Both women made choices that impacted our respective relationships. Each woman is unique, shaped by their family structure, time and place in which they lived, and the varied influences and experiences that made them who they are today. I love my mom. I am who I am in part because of her and our relationship has been fraught with tension, anger, frustration, and sadness. Life is complex. We all make the best choices we can for ourselves, given our mental, emotional, physical state, our resources, the tools we have access to. That said, none of us are off the hook. For as much as I believe that everyone is doing the best they can, I also believe that we are 100% responsible for our lives. And my mom's episode, she said, I'm sorry. What can I do but forgive? If I want peace and to move forward with my experience and toward a way of being in the world that permits me to keep boundaries and be vulnerable and hold compassion, love, and understanding for all, especially the woman who birthed me. That's strong. Probably a better writer than a speaker. What does it mean? I mean, there's forgiveness in there, right? Or, or thinking about forgiveness. It's one of those things that we all need. And just to recognize that even though our moms maybe weren't there for for us in the way that we would have liked they are human just like everybody else mm -hmm. just like we are yeah i like that line about doing the best that you can mm -hmm. with what you have or making the best decisions or even like making mistakes yeah sometimes you don't make the best decision given yeah. the time and the yeah. resources and all the things <laughs> sometimes you make a bad decision that happens. That yeah. makes us human. We do that. I do that. Um, yeah. And a lot of that resonated with me too. Mm -hmm. uh, as I read it and you were sharing it. Um, yeah. And we had talked about kind of that piece too. The forgiveness piece of it. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we try to? Why wouldn't we put effort into it? Right. 
Um, and we talked about regret a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Relationship regret uh, on a previous episode um, was one that stood out with me and I think one that I applied to um, this exercise, mm -hmm. this, this thing that we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, an empathy interview with your mother for Mother's Day. Right. And I think that was it for me is a lot of empathetic listening and understanding. Um, that's some of the stuff that I teach with human-centered design, is how to do that with another person. Even if you don't agree with it, or even if that's not your perspective or what you remember, it's theirs and what they're willing to share. Right. And I thought both episodes, um, kudos to our moms for sharing difficult yeah. things about difficult topics. Um, we talk about maybe how difficult it was for us to process and to, to think through and to reflect on, but also just um, we put together the outline on, on difficult things, leaning into difficult topics mm -hmm. where there is tension and maybe some trauma. Um, so I think that's maybe what made it different and difficult, but also applaud uh, you and I and our mothers for, for doing this, mm -hmm. for doing this thing. Um, and I think still kind of processing what it means in real time here with you. Yeah. Uh, I am at least. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's probably a more unique thing than we realize the holding of space for conversations like that, mm -hmm. especially with family members, mm -hmm. because it's harder when you're closer. Yeah. And we have a platform that allows us to do that yeah. in a way that's not confrontational, in a way that's not, uh, here's what I want to talk about. Um, give them a voice, give them a platform, set them up with some questions, um, and then listen mm -hmm. and try to feel what they were feeling during that time. Yeah. I chewed through some difficult stuff, right? Divorce and relationship. Uh, we talked about my sister's suicide. Uh, those are difficult things to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for, for being there and helping facilitate that conversation. I wouldn't have done it without this podcast and without this platform, I don't think it would have looked like that or felt like that. Yeah. And it was helpful and healing for me to have that conversation. And from what my mom said, helpful and healing for her to have that conversation. Same. Yep. Yeah. I too had that experience of, well, I mean, when we got to that, that part in mine and my mom's episode where we're, where it gets a little emotional and then you um, looking from the outside in were able to offer some perspective that helped us to continue to move forward with the conversation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is, <laughs> this is a very uh, potentially healing collaboration, especially in the context of, again, talking to family and um, working through um, working through some hard things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. I love you too, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you both.
welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Today we are celebrating Mother's Day and honoring our moms and um, having a conversation with my mom, Sarah Smith. A uh, few qualities that I love about my mom is her strength, kindness, and um, there was another one that I thought of earlier and I totally forgot what it was. Optimism. Optimism. Oh, yes. Right yes, yes, it is. It is there. Yes. So um, we can probably jump right in to. Thanks for being on. Good to meet You're you. You're welcome. Happy Thank Mother's you. Day. Thanks nice for doing this. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, so let's start from the beginning and then go all the way until the end. <laughs> I was born. <laughs> let's talk about growing up in, you grew up in Nina. Yes. Yeah. Nina, Wisconsin. And, um, you're the youngest of five. Yes, six, if you ask my grandma, um, my mom. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, had a sister who passed at two days old um, mm. before I was born. She would have been older than my sister, who is six years older than me. Mm -hmm. So, and I have a cousin who was named after that. Her, yes, Becky. Yes. Yeah, her name would have been Becky. Um, so let's talk about. Uh, what are some traits that you see in yourself that were an influence of grandma and grandpa? Um, Maybe some things that are unique to you? I think uh, probably a sense of humor. Hmm. Um, both of my parents, I think, were really funny. And then also accepting of people. Hmm. Um, my dad more so. My mom kind of tended to sometimes talk behind people's back, which wasn't cool, but um, um, she was always kind to people. Um, when she was with them. So, mm -hmm. so that was a good thing. Um, she meant well. <laughs> Um, but I, I think uh, my sense of humor, my dad uh, is Polish, and he told them more Polish jokes than anybody. and Like making fun of Pol Polish people. Yes, yeah. yes. So um, people thought that he was not as smart, but my dad was super smart. Um, so I think I'm smart. My mom was smart. Uh, she went through eighth grade, but she had... Uh, excellent math skills, and uh, I always liked counting, so I don't know if that's anything related or not. I just, I like counting. Um, but yeah, uh, intelligence and humor and accepting of people mm -hmm. of all backgrounds and such. Hmm. How would you describe childhood and growing up and family life? Um, well, I was the youngest, so 
Um, my siblings all tell me I was spoiled and I have to agree. Um, not materially so much, but just um, maybe time and some things that I wanted I would get, but um, but more more like time because I was able to be uh, go with um, when I was in preschool or not preschool I didn't go to preschool the preschool age or in kindergarten um, we'd go to out to lunch and so I kind of just had more time with my parents I think than that my alone whereas everybody mm. else had somebody around all the time okay um, so I think I I my next oldest brother is two years older than me so um, I think I just had a little bit more alone time than everybody else uh, so I think that's part of it I felt close with both my parents mm. um, used to go and walk with my dad and uh, meet him at when he was coming home from work he was in walking distance from work at both houses that we lived in when I was a little kid and growing up and I always wanted to go meet him and walk with him my dad walked fast and so I like to walk fast and it's really hard to walk slow nowadays even still so it's a habit yeah <laughs> it's a good habit I think <laughs> I'm like okay let's go <laughs> but yeah um, I don't know. Having fun, played games a lot. We did uh, Sundays, especially in the winter. We would have games, and so we'd play Monopoly and Scrabble. My dad would always win Scrabble. <clears throat> My oldest brother would always win Monopoly. Everyone thought he cheated. <laughs> he would deny it to this day. His kids even had said he cheated, so I kind of <laughs> tend to think maybe he did. <laughs> How do you cheat at Monopoly? I don't know. He was always the, he was always okay. the banker, so yeah. there's that. Uh, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but uh, I don't know. It was just a lot of lot of good memories and fun. My my parents always um, did big holidays, big Christmas, Easter. Fourth of July, everything was was big and family oriented. Um, we did family trips, uh, Sunday drives, mm -hmm. um, just a lot of things. I actually would f learn how to read maps because of those trips and family mm. things. Because mm -hmm. I would follow the town signs and where we were on the map, so I learned how to read maps that way. So that was cool. It uh, helped me into my adulthood because I was the navigator uh, traveling in after I mm -hmm. got married and stuff. So first time. But yeah, helpful skill. Yeah. Um, I, I liked my childhood. <laughs> was, are there, um, but yeah, so I guess, so you had a lot of time with parents talk about because is Julie closest in age and Julie closest in age to you no Chris Chris oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah Chris is two years older he's yeah. my brother 
Um, so maybe talk about like relationship with siblings growing up, um, or what that was like. Uh, I felt loved by everyone. Um, I did have a lot of fights with my brother that is two years older than me, but we also played a lot together too. Mm-hmm. Um, we would play cars in the driveway and make roads, and we had little stone gravel uh, driveway, and we'd make roads. We'd use the little weed plants as trees and all this stuff. Um, in the fall, we would make a house out of the leaves, so we'd have like a whole mansion of rooms. Um, that was fun. That's cool. And uh, and jumping them too, mm-hmm. but but yeah, we would make uh, uh, we had lilac bushes, and we'd use that as money, the leaves as money. We had a weeping willow tree, and we used those uh, the spring beginning seeds of the weeping willow. We used those as bananas. They look like little mini bananas. Uh, a lot of lot of fun fun memories with that. We we set up these water things in the summer with with uh, we had the webbing lawn chairs and we would set up these big what like a water park thing. You'd just go through and have sprinkles and and hard blasts of water or stuff like that. Um, um, we played a lot with the neighbor kids too, and we'd play freeze tag and. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called. It was where we would get spun by someone bigger than us, and then we'd have to land however we landed and then freeze ourselves. And so it was like store, like um, frozen statues. That's what it was called, Mm. frozen statues. And so... I learned that from my older brothers, at, I think, at first. So and they just, like, spun just kinda, your, yep. like, you're standing, and then yeah, you get they spun went, around. Yep. Like and a, then okay. they, they, they didn't throw us. I mean, they let us <laughs> land gently. But, you know, it was, it was like that. And however you landed, then... Um, Wait, so the so were you uh, up off the ground Oh, yes. They point? actually picked us up and spun us. Oh, okay, okay. And then they put you down, and however you landed yeah. is is whatever you were going to be. And then you had to okay. decide what you thought you looked like. Um, and that was fun. That was a fun game. And then there'd be the person that came in and shopped, and they had to guess what, what you were. And if they mm. were right, they could buy you. If you, they were wrong, they had to move on and that kind of thing. It was a fun game. Um yeah, lots of lots of good things with that. Um, the fights with my brother, not so good. He would uh, hit me in the back for some odd reason. I don't know. And um, <laughs> this is the only time I didn't feel quite so spoiled. Um, and my stomach would hurt. And uh, he's like, I didn't hit you in the stomach. I'm like, well, my stomach hurts. You hit me that hard. Um, but anyway, I would go and tell my parents, and they would say, well, what were you doing? And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's not going to get me anything. So no sympathy there. So apparently I must have been teasing him. I don't know. I do not recall. <laughs> but not a good me- that That not such a good memory. Mm-hmm. But uh, a very strong one that is still... 
but more good memories than not mm-hmm. with that. So my sister, um, we shared a bed a lot uh, until she got like, I don't know, probably 15, 16, and my older brothers had moved out by then. Um, and I remember scratching each other's backs and talking and we played a Monopoly game to see how long just the two of us would would play a game and it lasted like four days before one of us went bankrupt. That was fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I remember playing checkers with my mom. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not, but uh, that's not a sibling. Um, <laughs> um, and then my, uh, I have a brother that's 10 years older than me. Um, he was gone a lot as uh, from like 15 on because he, he got a job. But I always felt pretty close with him. And my oldest brother, I always felt pretty close with him um, growing up. Uh, they... Uh, they used to take me places and, and that. When I was about eight, um, like between six and eight probably, um, maybe even younger, uh, I had an uncle that had cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my oldest brother would push him in the wheelchair and we would take a walk to this cemetery on a hill. And I always got to sit on his lap and on this trip and such. And we played a game like... Uh, uh, I don't know where that ever came from, but we'd call each other cuckoo clock and laugh and laugh. So hmm. <laughs> that was kind of a, a silly little thing we did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you remember what you wanted to be as a child growing up? Do you have aspirations a about dancer? Yeah. I loved to dance. Mm. I don't ever remember mm. not loving to dance. Um, I we uh, when I was growing up, they'd have a lot of those variety shows on, and there's dancers on there all the time and I would just watch and watch and watch and then when the show was done then I'd be dancing around the house (laughs) trying to do the same things Um, a lot of them were tap dancing Um, some were uh, ballet but I liked the tap and I liked to like like free expression type things and moving moving around more um, different poses and positions and such Um, I like to make up my own moves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's one of the things that I did not get is uh, I wanted dance lessons, but um, too expensive, I guess, or whatever it was. Maybe it was time, too, because uh, my dad did work, uh, shift work, so... It might have been tricky for me to get there. My mom didn't drive, so that could have been a, an issue, too. Then never mentioned that, but mm-hmm. it could have been an issue. Um, but, yeah, dancer. I love, and I do, love dancing to yeah. this day. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I remember you took a, you took a hip-hop class. Yes. At uh, UW-Milwaukee. UW-Milwaukee, mm-hmm. you... Um, uh, had you got tap shoes 
not too long, like a year or so ago, you yeah, were about, starting yeah, to get into Yeah, almost two years ago. Okay. I was in a, a rental home, so um, there I didn't bother anyone with the sound. So um, we had an upstairs neighbor, but he was gone during the day, so I, uh, so I did that. And um, I kind of just did, learned off of the Internet, mm -hmm. and I created a tap board, which I still have, Mm -hmm. um, but it's uh, it, I can't use it where I'm at now. I'm in a uh, apartment complex, and I'm in the upstairs apartment. I don't think mm -hmm. that would be very kind to be tapping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, although last summer I did go to the park and and tapped mm -hmm. on the concrete. That was kind of fun. Um, so I'm I'm not doing that as much just because I don't have a space really. But uh, when I'm at work and I'm just kind of standing, I'll do like little tap moves. What was high school like? High school was a shift. Um, and towards the end of ninth grade, I had a falling out with friends that I had been friends with from grade school. And I met new friends who were kinder people, mm. honestly. Um, so high school was actually really good. I There were things I wanted to try to do that I chickened out on, and I wish I had tried. Um, I stayed after school to try it for Pom Pom Squad and, mm. and chickened out at the last second and just walked home. <laughs> but um, and we didn't live that close. It was a good probably a good four or five mile walk hmm. to school. Do you remember what you were feeling? Nervous or anxious or what wasn't, you weren't confident? Uh, I think it was just the confidence. And I, and I know that I, I wasn't sure. Honestly, this is sad. I didn't, I wasn't sure if I was thin enough. Oh, uh, which I don't think I ever told anybody that. I felt fat in high school, in ninth grade. Um, I was 115 pounds, so I obviously mm -hmm. wasn't. Mm -hmm. But for I whatever reason... pictures of you. That's, yeah, yeah, so whatever reason it was, I, I felt that way. Uh, I don't know why. Um, but, yeah. Um, and then what's ironic is there were bigger girls than me that actually were on the team. Mm -hmm. So then, so, but yeah, and then some confidence too, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Did you want to elaborate on your high school experience? You said good friends. You felt good about it. You met some new friends. And, yeah, yeah, we we stayed friends um, through, like into my like mid to late twenties. And well, and still stayed kind of connected after that, even with um, with the two of them. Um, but uh, they, uh, two, uh, Kaylin and Tina actually came and visited us in North Carolina when Jessica was a baby, and that was really really awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. They took some really nice pictures, and I have those. Um, 
but yeah, that was a nice time. Uh, but the, um, I don't know, I think I opened up more too. Um, people always thought that I was shy. I disagree. I was quiet. I was very quiet. I don't think I was shy. I think I was, the more accurate word would be reserved. Mm -hmm. I was very ob observant of people and unfortunately also considered if somebody had a certain look that seemed disapproving to me, then I would take that personally and change some things um, about how I did. Um, my junior and senior year, I got I felt less of that. Um, uh, I remember somebody saying, "Oh, where'd you learn how to dance so good?" And I, I said, "My mom." Um, I don't know if it was really my mom, partially probably, but also watching uh, Soul Train. <laughs> so. What inspired you to go into the Marine Corps? Well, um, my brother that is two years older than me had joined, and he did a couple of years or something, and then he he went into the reserves. I'm not exactly on the, for sure on the timing of it all, mm -hmm. but... Um, so he was in the reserves, and my sister and I would take him to, well, I'd go with, my sister drove him, because she was four years older than him, um, six years older than me, um, up to Green Bay, and we'd stay the weekend up there. Um, I actually got talking with this officer, um, and... Um, she was probably in her late 30s, early 40s, I want to say maybe she was. Um, and I don't know, she just impressed me. She had, she had horses and she had, and I love horses. Um, but she just talked to me about her experiences and I, like different traveling and things like that. And so she was a really, really cool lady. Um, that she shared that stuff with us, and and so I was like, well, it's something to do. So, I didn't so know the, what else to do. And so then my sister decided to join, and then I was like, okay, I'll do it too. So it was like kind of a pattern, the, la the last three of us, then kind of my brother, my sister, and then me. But my sister and I went in together, actually, um, and she graduated first. Uh, we went in together, did not graduate together. Uh, we were like two weeks behind each other, or four, three, I don't know, something like that. Two weeks to a month behind. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, uh, that was that was a good experience. I met my kid's dad, and so I, uh, though that marriage didn't last as long as I would have liked at the time, uh, I can't regret that part of my life because my I would not I couldn't imagine not my life without my my kids so that'd be pretty empty
what was that experience like? Um, Marines at a young age, kind of figuring things out and figuring out what you wanted to do and working through, getting through that program? Well, when I was in, um, the ladies didn't go into combat. Our boot camp was four weeks shorter than the guys. Um, one of my drill instructors had told me at one point um, that she thought that I would be a good drill instructor someday, so that was pretty inspiring. Um, however, uh, ended up getting pregnant with our first child. Um, that would be su me. Surprisingly. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and opted to take the option of getting out of the service. So mm -hmm. I only served um, just under a year and in active duty, then I was on inactive reserves is what they called it for the remainder of my contract, which was four more, three more years after. Okay. So, but um, they could have called me back had there been any reason to do so. I was an ammunition technician. Um, my original um, MOS, they call it, um, military occupation, something with a P, I don't know, um, and uh, was auto mechanic, which would have been much more beneficial, but um, the, the best thing about the, <laughs> the ammunition technician was learning to drive this huge tank-sized forklift. That was mm. fun. <laughs> Here's this little little person I had gotten uh, after boot camp. I was 107 pounds, so pretty tiny, and I'm five foot nothing, basically. Um, so, yeah, tiny person feeling pretty empowered on this huge right. machine. <laughs> That was nice. You feel so confident when you get out of boot camp, like you could con conquer the world. Yeah. So that confidence yeah. was amazing. Um, to have that back would be so awesome. Like They're like, oh, yeah, they tear you down. But, yeah, then they build you back up, though, mm -hmm. towards the end. So mm -hmm. they give you this, this confidence that nothing, I don't think anything else could compare to the confidence that you get when you get out of the service, you, you really feel like you can battle mm -hmm. anyone that you can uh, just, I don't know, stand up for what you believe in more, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Just, um, I was a bit of a rebel and I always wondered had I stayed in, if I wouldn't have maybe mouthed off to the wrong person eventually. So maybe mm. I'm kind of glad that I didn't do <laughs> that because I, uh, I kind of was a rebel at, in my heart and mind sometimes. Didn't really like authoritarian type people. Mm -hmm. So, Isn't that what? Isn't that all of that? I mean, isn't that like the whole deal? I know it, it seems as if that would be, but but power power the the ones that actually 
um, used their rank as a power trip type okay. sure. thing. I didn't care for that. I had much right. more respect for people that were officers who went up the ranks and earned it that way. So they went through the warrant officer program as opposed to those that went to college and joined. Um, there were a few decent officers that had done that, but there were others who thought, pulled rank on mm-hmm. purpose, just whether the, what they thought was right or, or not was actually right um, in how they carried out different uh, plans and how they talk to people, that kind of thing, was kind of disrespectful. Um, And they use that rank that way. Mm -hmm. I was very against that kind of thing. I didn't ever... So that's the type of authoritarian I'm talking about. Um, Never thought people should use their power to be controlling of people Mm -hmm. like that. Mm. The rebel piece, the inner rebel, that was something you had all along? Did you do you feel like you had that as a child and through high school and then in, into the Marines? Um, I think so, and I think maybe I probably got some of that from my mom too. Um, <laughs> my mom used to say she wouldn't want to meet me in a dark alley, which I always thought was interesting because I'm like I wasn't really a fighter, but I I had a temper. Um, I'm a very justice-oriented person, and Mm. if I thought something wasn't fair, I would really speak about that um, as an adult more so than as a kid. But, um, but yeah, when I was young, we had had a family that, through the church, that we cared for. Um, two kids that were from Milwaukee that were black, and they were their names were Pat and Miranda. Um, they were about mine and my brother's ages, and um, they actually uh, had a huge influence too because of uh, of that. We had some neighbor come down and started throwing stones at them, and my brother and I stood in front of them to protect them from the mm-hmm. stones. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably one of my first experiences with people that... With, like, racism? Racism yeah. and just, yeah, just that. Um, surely didn't understand that. They were not any different than us <laughs> in any respect. They had an accent. And their skin color was mm-hmm. different. But, like, we played exactly the same. It's like there's just not, you know, there's a, there's a cultural thing, but it's not a, not a personal thing or, like, all, the, all people are this way or that way or any of the sort. So, mm-hmm. no, yeah. absolutely not. Going, talking about race, I think it would be interesting to talk a little bit about um, your experience 
being married to dad and you guys like so there was living in North Carolina um, and and more the experience of like um, kind of some of that racism that you both faced as an interracial couple because that was in the 80s and it was still quite new and controversial um, I remember even in when did that song come out by Madonna? Um, like a prayer came out oh, gosh, like probably late, in the nineties. Late late eighties or early nineties. And even that was controversial. Right. Right. And and so it's relatively new, actually. <laughs> almost um, I mean, I guess what yeah. Almost forty years ago, I guess. But still, like, 40 years is not a long time in the grand scheme of things. So, so it's, it's really kind of rel relatively past. new that we've, it, that, that it's become more and more accepted that there are interracial marriages, there are mixed-race children. Um, but you two were kind of, you, you, you both had a lot of, I think, obstacles some obstacles with that, especially the areas that you lived in at the time. So do you want to maybe talk about that a little bit? Well, when uh, we met in Alabama, so that's, that's um, mm. <laughs> overtly racist. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it is today. I don't, I haven't been back there since um, the second time that we lived there, which would have been in like 1980. When was Jocelyn born? 85. So 86, we lived there again. So we lived there, we met in 1982. Um, and uh, while we were on base, we, we were at an Army base station as Marine Corps in a detachment there. So it was like a family to me. Um, I never felt any negativity from the guys there, really, um, which was cool. Um, they, I felt like they were more like brothers, all the guys. Um, and, uh, but yeah, when, when uh, Kirk and I had gone out in town and we were walking, twice this happened where people stopped. They were they happened to be in pickup trucks both times, which was, so I got a negative connotation with yeah, pickup trucks. I, yeah. I, so it's kind of, that. kind of awkward, but, <laughs> but, um, not saying everybody that owns a pickup truck is racist. <laughs> However, that was my experience in that time frame. Um, and they, they stopped, called out racial slurs. I wanted to fight. I wanted to fight so bad. And their dad grew up in New York City and was like, no, we're just going to walk faster and move on. And he can fight very well. He now is a, a defense, yeah. self-defense person and such. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, he was not one to try and get us killed. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he had a lot more experience with that, I would imagine, growing up in New York City. Um, 
as well. So um, I had none. <laughs> so I wanted to fight, but <clears throat> he was smarter than that. Um, but yeah, that happened twice. So that was just weird. And I'm like, I, I was... I was thinking how much time had passed. Like, it's been 15, 20 years. Come on, people. Really? Mm -hmm. You know, since the 60s. And uh, just just nutty to me that, that people still had that kind of belief system in, in them. And even to this day, I don't understand it. And I don't think I ever will. Um, yeah, just weird. Um, the, the, that feeling doesn't go away when they drive off, though, right? I mean, that oh, stays no. with you. Oh, yes. And, um, yes. Anger, frustration. Uh, yeah, can you describe what that feels like and, and maybe what Kirk was feeling like, too? But, but um, like, like, how does that, that doesn't go away. That stays with you. Yes. And then you look around and you wonder what other people are thinking or saying or going to say next time. Yeah. Um I don't know. I felt I I f felt good with him and I didn't understand it. Yes, I was very angry. Like I said I wanted to fight these people and basically try and knock some sense into them. Oh. Obviously that can't work. Right. Violence against Ignorance isn't the answer. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what he was feeling aside from knowing that fighting isn't going to solve something um, and that we just needed to walk on. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he had fear of, like, I didn't feel like we would have gotten killed, but maybe he thought that. I'm not sure, and that's why um, he he uh, just we were we kept holding hands. Mm -hmm. Screw them! Mm -hmm. <laughs> so right. and just walked faster. Um, but yeah, uh, they went away, and like I said, that happened twice. Um, I felt bold, more so. Like I could could have fixed it. By beating them up. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Obviously, uh, might not be here today had that happened. <laughs> Probably. So, uh, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Um, there was another time when I thought somebody was being racist, and thinking back on that now... And, like, years later, um, they may have thought that I just look really young. Yeah. I, I, I had already yeah. had uh, Jessica and her sister Jocelyn. Um, they were, like, three and one-ish, um, maybe even younger a little bit. Um, and this lady said to me, oh, those are sure some cute kids you're babysitting for. And I immediately in my head thought she meant because they had darker mm -hmm. um, complexion and hair and my hair wasn't as light as this. I do t 
do things with it now. Well, it's not natural. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, it's still light, like uh, medium, medium blonde, more color. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought that that was a racist remark, and I got kind of irritated, and I was like, they're mine. And I said it kind of like that, and she, mm -hmm. she probably wondered why I was mad. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry. Uh, now I think it probably... I looked 15, and yeah. I was 24, mm -hmm. you know, 20, 22, well, yeah, 22 or 23. So, any any um, instances of that? You mentioned the one, um, you know, being a mother of mixed-race children. Yes, um, yes. Did you feel any more of that? Not, not so much. When we lived in North Carolina, I never really felt... Um, felt like that. I don't recall really any overt racism in North Carolina when we were out and about. Um, maybe because we lived closer to a military base mm. that was um, even the people out in town were more military based. It was it, uh, there was just a lot of military families. Mm -hmm. Um, that we knew, um, even though we lived off base. Um, so I think we had friends that were both black and white. Um, so I don't, and I never really felt like there was any, any thing other than that one comment that I thought was racist pr mm -hmm. probably wasn't necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that you get that in your head that when you experience something where people are racist overtly to you, then you get that in your head that you think people may be thinking that. Mm -hmm. And so you can take things the wrong way, I think, sometimes. Um, but I, after we were out of Alabama, I didn't experience that. And honestly, when we went back to Alabama, he heard their dad went back for um, more schooling and um, we, I didn't feel it then. We um, became friends uh, with a family after a mobile home flipped over, and we had to live in an apartment for a little bit, and the people that ran the complex were, were uh, white and, and raised there, but they were not racist. Mm. Um, and the their kids played with Jessica and and that, so Jocelyn was still a baby, um, so not so much her, but uh, yeah, it, I didn't really experience that anymore since, uh, except that first time that we were there in 1982. Right. So, and um, Arizona didn't seem that way either. Yeah, that was pretty, yeah, I, I, our experience, I think, in, in Yuma was, um, like it was a pretty diverse mm -hmm. place. Well, let's talk about two marriages, two divorces, and what you have learned, or what have or have you learned anything about yourself? In I've the learned process. absolutely nothing. No, <laughs> the process of of those um, um, experiences. Well, the first time I didn't want the divorce at all. Yeah, I fought to have it, though. Um, the other party was not willing to 
make any compromises or um, ultimatums, except any ultimatums was the word he used. Um, so um, my brother had even um, tried to help us give it, give us some alone time without the kids and my parents, uh, well, my mom watched um, the girls. And so um, they had gone away for a weekend and they let us stay at their house and try to connect, reconnect or whatever. Um, and I remember him looking at the pictures on the wall and making their relationship and their their status as like a, a like a trophy like the pictures were like a trophy um, like that's what for 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 celebrating like cuz they had my brother then had been married for over 25 years i think um maybe uh or at least 15 um i don't remember um but anyway they they um so they had different, you know, pig momentums and things like that, and they're like, like it, like their marriage was like a trophy showing or something, mm. um, type of thing, um, and uh, I thought that was odd. I was like, isn't it normal to celebrate time, times, and the amount of time that you're together? But, um, but anyway, I I don't know to this day what reasoning he had. Um, maybe someday he'll tell me or not. It's irrelevant to this point. And, uh, yeah, uh, so that was a hard one. Um, How old were your kids? They were uh, 8, 10, and 12 when the divorce mm -hmm. finalized. Mm -hmm. Um and the year, the year younger when it, it was initiated, mm -hmm. the separation was initiated. Um, so, kind of a crucial time for them. Mm -hmm. The the two they two younger ones I think really were affected in that because um, conversations I've had they they neither of them were interested in getting married, and I don't know. Um, like maybe they just they're, they're they didn't like see the value in it. That and didn't want to just get divorced. Looking back now, I 100% believe because there was some cheating going on um, with that, um, that I probably would not have forgiven him, even though I, at the time I thought that I did and could have. I probably wouldn't have ever really trusted him again so probably would have been a really rough rough thing if he had actually like I'd have been probably hounding him and then we would have ended up divorced anyways and it would have been worse um honestly I think that's probably how that would have happened um so there's that didn't did lose quite a bit of confidence in myself um I even asked him like if it was my looks or what and was told no you're a babe and I'm like mm, don't feel like one um or I you were the perfect wife um 
okay, no, apparently not. Not for you. <laughs> so, but yeah, well, there was yeah. that. Um, so it kind of lost a lot of, lot of, lot of self confidence and thinking that I was good enough type mm -hmm. of thing, um, which probably influenced. Um, well, I, I dated very rarely. Um, after about a year and a half after the divorce, um, I, during that year and a half, I became a little bit promiscuous and not okay uh, with things, made some decisions that weren't necessarily the best for the kids, um, inviting people over and such. Um, that lasted about a year and a half. And then I decided to stop that I broke off some contact with a person that I was friends with that was living that lifestyle too and decided that I'm just gonna concentrate on my kids and so I did that for like 10 years um, and before I uh, ended up deciding to go back to school and still did that while I was in this area, when I moved to Milwaukee for my to finish my bachelor's degree, um, I kind of became more selfish again a little bit because I'm like, well, now it's my time, and the kids were off in their colleges and or uh, jobs and stuff, so I kind of became a little selfish with that. Met a few people. Um, that may have been okay, and then met uh, the second person that I married, um, who in that in that time frame um, seemed to be really caring, really for me, really supportive, um, and to find out. Uh, after so long, there were many red flags that I had ignored, and he had had brain surgeries. I accounted some of his behaviors to that, negative behaviors. He eventually became abusive and um, was, was very, very controlling in... But by then, I was already kind of sucked in and wanted to believe I, I'm the kind of person who tries to see the best in people. And so I really thought that there was some sincere apologies and things that happened where he had gone to classes and things we talked about that he wanted to change and thought that that was a sincere thing, um, when in reality, now I know that there were lies from the very beginning that were occurring and that I was blinded to because I do, I am the type of, type of person that sees the best in people or tries to. And I could have never imagined somebody could be so so cruelly evil 
and selfish to treat someone like that on purpose just to get their own way. Hmm. And um, this person is, is a narcissist. And a narcissist is a person who has zero feelings for anyone else, zero regard for anyone else, zero compassion or empathy for anyone else but themselves. And yet their inner self is lacking so much confidence mm -hmm. that they uh, are, feel so small inside that that's why they treat people the way they do. Um, uh, and I learned that through going to uh, shelters as well as books I've read um, regarding that. I've done a ton of healing. Um, the last year of our marriage, uh, I, well, the last year that we were living together in our marriage, we actually weren't. Uh, he was home for three days. Um, coming up, telling me different lies to that I <laughs> believed. <laughs> Sadly, but at any rate, um, but even in that meantime, um, I I actually had um, been enjoying the time when he was not there because it was peaceful. I wasn't fighting. Whenever he showed up, we fought, argued, uh, being blamed for cheating. Um, and I never, never did on him, never. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he was the one. Um, everything that he said was twisting up my words and bringing it back on me. Um, he made it sound like his apologies were genuine, um, but they were not. Yeah. So that that took a toll. And uh, But I learned some things, and I learned that I am good enough. I actually was working on my own confidence in that last um, bit of time. I was reading things. I would, uh, my, one of my daughters um, paid for me to have, um, as a gift for a birthday, Mother's Day uh, combination, Christmas even, maybe um, a, uh, a personal coach mm -hmm. and life coach. And so I learned things there. Um, uh, my confidence grew. Um, it was a little hindered because I was working at a grocery store and was trying to move up and kept having hindrances with that. Um, and finally left there and started uh, to work at Amazon. And um, the last thing that I knew, that I knew, knew, knew that he was so wrong in his actions was um, he had shown up at work and in front of people, which he had not done before, he threatened me. And um, <laughs> I, 
that was kind of a wake-up call that um, that that behavior should not be tolerated. Um, and then the very final thing, after we had to get out of the place we were living, and I moved in with Jessica for a, for a, a few months, several months, honestly, five. Um, um, and I would constantly be standing up for him in things and things he told me that he was going through he thought he had cancer at one point I'm thinking he probably didn't uh, actually have that happening or that his testosterone levels were low and he was losing weight and all these all these things okay so so um, at any rate um, I was standing up for him at this one point and Jessica lost it <laughs> and just told me some truths about him and it stuck and I decided that um, yes the divorce is going to happen now in the means right before that there there was going to be a divorce that was going to be a fake divorce is what he was telling me to this lady he was seeing or whatever for her benefit or whatever but and that it wasn't really going to finish or happen well um at that point when jessica had said that i was like yes it's going to happen and i'm not going to be with this person anymore um, it took me a few months to get past a lot of that hurt. Um, I had a, tons of support at my job. Um, told them what was going on. They uh, had his picture so people knew that if he had shown up there that he was not allowed to see me, even though I didn't put anything legally. But my job, uh, Amazon, is... Uh, a secured building, so, uh, uh, and I and I spoke with several people that I worked with who had experienced similar things. Um, actually, uh, one of the HR persons and uh, two manager type persons, and their experiences helped heal me too. Um, I took some time off of work to work through some things, um, found an apartment of my own, made sure that that was not on the divorce record so that he could not find out where I live. And I became very strong in, in myself and knowing and believing that regardless of what someone else thinks of me anymore, uh, whether it be their their truth or whatever, that I'm good enough for living my life, for having uh, having things that I want, rather than always giving to the other person and not receiving. Really, that's my story. That's, <laughs> that's, hard, that's hard stuff to talk about. It Thank is. you for sharing that with us. It um, is. And you, and are, you are enough. You are good enough. And anybody out there, you're good enough too.
So if you're going through anything that is a red flag, um, th that's one thing I did learn too. Um, I had some people that were trying to get me to divorce him some years before, and I wasn't ready. You cannot, 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 cannot force someone to do something that they are personally not ready for. Um, and honestly, had that happened at that time, there would have been stalking going on because he did know where I was. Um, and now he doesn't. So there isn't that happening. Yay! <laughs> I'm thinking about my sisters and my own experience with that whole with that whole relationship and um, while so I'm looking at this like all the way around and acknowledging your experience and the difficulty of being in that relationship and um, the difficulty of sharing that story and where you are now compared to where you were, but then I'm also acknowledging that there was a lot of time lost in maintaining or having in us, the three of us, having maybe a better relationship with you. Um, because we, of course, all, right, like, outside looking in, we all saw all of those red flags, as you call them, from the very beginning of the relationship, from the first time that, from the first time that we met him and he yelled at us and it was a really really difficult difficult thing to experience that moment and have you sort of not do anything about it I, like yeah so I think I know that I am still, while I'm glad that you are experiencing a, a freedom and a healing and a, um, you know, sort of a, a moving on from that place. Um, and I can't, I can't speak for Jocelyn or Joy's experience, but I know for myself, like, I put a lot of, both Mike and I put a lot of effort into um, trying to be there and trying to twice get you, you know, out of that situation. And um, so there is a lot of tension, I think, still that exists. Um, because of, uh, it's like, <laughs> yay you, but now I'm like fucked. <laughs>
sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. There's still hurt. You're describing still hurt and unprocessed trauma from from that. Yeah. Is that fair? Jessica? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you also heard her say you were a key influencer in helping her out of it and helping her past that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you heard her say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And how old were you during that time frame? How old were you and your sisters during that marriage and divorce? I mean, Ish. adults. Yeah. 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 30s. Yeah. yeah. I met him in 2008, graduated in 2009 from college. And that's the time that they had met him. <clears throat> yeah. So it turns out and it's even hard as adults. Right? Yeah. It does, right. Yeah. Right. You've experienced both as a divorce, as a child, and as an adult, and they're both hard. Yeah. Yeah. Not the divorce so much as the person. Yeah. The person. Got it. Was yeah. Not. Yeah. Your relationship and how. Yeah. How right. it influenced. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was nothing but lies and that I believed. And, uh, and the, the thing is, in raising you and I, we would watch movies about abuse. It kind of went right. off. Um, Not right about that. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, always like never get involved with it, you know, like, and then I did. And mm -hmm. nobody could believe it. Nobody understood it. And I still don't particularly understand it. Although I, I know it's not my fault how yeah, I've I was treated, some, but yeah. at the same, because because these people are so good at pretending to be something that they're not. And I've read and it's try, trying to understand it's absolutely disgusting. trying to understand some of that. Um, I, I've read about like um, uh, victims of abuse and how um, in not uh, in like uh, relationships, right where, there is a there is a difficult psychology there. So I was I was myself always trying to understand like why why you would accept be in that, that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. When I would have never yeah. accepted that for any any of you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh yeah. Um and I, I certainly never thought that I would accept that kind of behavior from anyone. Um, right. Yeah. When you were yeah. in that relationship, it was like every time some, every time um, he wouldn't feel like 
good around us, it was somehow our fault. Yeah, yeah. Because there's this weird thing that happens, I feel like, in people that are in relationships with, um, with abusers is that you almost, you're the, the person that's in that also kind of takes on some of those traits, traits yep. where yeah. I was, where we were feeling like not necessarily abused, but we were feeling like everything was either our fault or that we had to fix things that were not even like yeah they were fake because things. because I was getting fed that he type of thing I, rem- yeah. I remember that situation yeah. at, at your graduation where he wasn't even very he wasn't even very invested which we were all upset about and he had his foot out or something and Joy or Jossie or whoever it was had like tripped over his foot and then he he like told you oh they should apologize for tripping over his foot or something like just yeah really really petty things really fucked up things like that yeah um i think it helps to yeah i think, that I think was it at helps Joy's graduation actually oh was that it happened. Joy's? yeah yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because that was a weird situation. Because dad was there, and yeah. he he had a whole thing about being jealous of dad, and yeah. yeah. Um, fake I'm, jealousy too. I'm glad Honestly. that we're <laughs> having this conversation, <laughs> even though it is difficult. I think some of the stuff, even early on, the things that you're talking about, help me understand. Oh, talked about your trait of optimism. You do still, even with, you know, the different experiences in life, you maintain a, a endless hope, I feel, um, when it comes to living. Um, so maybe you can talk about, just share sort of your philosophy on life or things that... Something that you, well, something that you believe or hold, or or hold up as valuable, something, some guiding principle. The thing that came to mind in that was when we read the one of the books, the Chronicles of Narnia, and it ended with a line that said, "Things will often get worse and worse until they finally get better." Yeah. My friendship childhood was rough uh, with one particular friend. She, she would say periodically, oh, let's pretend to fight. And then it would eventually turn into a real fight. And so then we weren't talking and this and that, which is, which was, the pattern of that mm. friendship that I had from grade school up mm. through eighth grade and through part of ninth grade until there was finally a falling out. And then I met people that actually cared about my feelings and they heard me and listened and I listened back to them. 
um, always was encouraging mm -hmm. and and um, like just uh, just telling telling people more positive things. Mm -hmm. I don't know uh, because I don't like for people to feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think. As you say that, I, know I think what I, it's like to feel bad about yourself mm -hmm. by being treated yeah. in a negative way. Mm -hmm. So I never wanted anybody to feel that way. I think I, think I didn't I really think about that. that at all until right now. But yeah, probably has a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. So when yeah. you think about your daughter Jess, what are you most proud of? Oh gosh. <sighs> always have been proud of her individuality. <laughs> like she was always, always uh, just herself. Uh, just, you've just been you. From the very beginning, you had this determination. <clears throat> Sorry, you've had this determination. You learned how to tie your shoes in two days. <laughs> And I don't know of any kid that ever learned that quick, but you would you sat there and practiced and practiced and practiced until you got it, and and you, that's kind of how you did that. Like and and you learned how to play, uh, the saints go marching in, by listening to the song, no music, just listening to it and messing around. Um, you 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 learn things by trying it and by practicing it and by doing it and having the confidence to go out in front of people by yourself and dance and sing and no one else on stage but you and you're out there and you and you rock it every time. I appreciate that. So just always being you. <laughs> You've you've had that since you were a baby. You're just this look of love in your eyes that you had when you were born. Hours after you were born, you were blue initially, and then you were just like this bright. -eyed, Once I was breathing, <laughs> this bright-eyed little one that was just like, I love you. Well, I do love you. My most favorite memory with, with, well, one of them, I have so many, but one is when <laughs> we were videoing, uh, you guys riding your bikes and then neighbor kids were help, were riding, you let your neighbor, uh, friend of yours ride your bike and, um, and then you came up to me and go, is, are we going to be on TV? <laughs> You were so excited about that, and um, just that big smile, like just being so excited to be seen, and like in your brain at that time, you thought that the whole world could see you, and it was really sweet and and so innocent and and amazing, and it was awesome because we were because you were on our TV, so you thought mm -hmm. the whole world could see you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that was cool. You wanted to be seen. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, thank you, Mom, for having this conversation and um, for being on and for sharing your story and for sharing your love and for being my mom. You're welcome. I love you. I'm crying. I know. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. I was, trying, I was trying to like, okay, I know this is going to happen. <laughs> Just prepare myself. It's okay. Thanks for being on. You're welcome. Appreciate you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.